Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Hey. Hey, are you recording? Yeah, sometimes I just hit go because I'm like, I'm going to start an impassioned speech and then forget to press record as we we know I'm... I'm. Is any of that going in the, in the show? No, definitely not. Oh, okay. Guys, I was just bitching about... Not bitching about. I was just like impassionedly speaking about my wedding. <laughs> and how expensive it is. It's so expensive. <laughs> I haven't even told Christine yet that uh, I charge for my services <laughs> when I when I marry you and Blaze. Good, because I put zero dollars in the budget. For I got that. excited for a second. I was like, what'd you do? I, fu- I, I felt, re- hey, listen, yeah. I'm fucking paying for, what? What, do, what do I pay for when you're like a, a, Pizza. a bride's dude? I pay for your meal at the wedding and the rehearsal dinner. Yes. <laughs> okay that's fair (laughs) okay (laughs) that's not equivalent but anyway blaze and i picked our song today well that's great what is it i don't know i feel a little weird saying it because i cried about it earlier okay are you you gonna cry because your eyes are wet no i'm just gonna gaze in the the distance it looks like your face is raining no i'm just say it what is it it's dream a little dream of me by the mamas and the papas that's awesome that's a great song are you gonna you're crying no i'm not okay okay listen that's just what you look like now then okay well good anyway how are you i actually uh, calm down (laughs) i uh actually listened to that song on the way here which is very weird you're full of i'm not kidding shit i'm not kidding because that song actually that my gammy used to sing that to me when i would stay the night and she would like tuck me in can you prove that to me about that you listened to it on the way here because i'm gonna freak out Okay, I made M go get their phone, and we're gonna see what what there is to see. Sorry, I was I ended on uh, across the universe, and there was also Sister Act involved. <laughs> Can't take my eyes off you, Frankie Valley, Mama Cast, dream a little dream of me. Shut the f- front door because I listened to Can't Take My Eyes Off You first, and then <laughs> Dream a Little Dream of Me. I'm not kidding. No way. That's wild. M. What's happening? Did you also listen to Do You Hear the People Sing by Les Mis? <laughs> because I did. <laughs> I actually listened to uh, <clears throat> This Ain't a Scene, It's an Arms Race by Fall Out Boy. But, you know, <laughs> same difference. I also listened to Queen and Dan Stevens' Evermore from Beauty and the Beast. And that's the pretty fucking weird. So Thank probably you. while you were listening to that, Blaze and I were crying about it. Oh, good. In my I'm glad. To, I, look, I'm really good at being involved in your love life. I so. mean, basically, you've been involved for a long time and now you're marrying us so so that's how that goes also uh i had another moment 
uh, with you that you don't know about, which is also... <laughs> that makes me feel really weird. <laughs> which is also um, the positive reason why I drink this week. Tell me. Because about two days ago, I officially started taking anti-anxiety medication. Fuck yeah! And on the way there, I was saying a little prayer to the spirits or whoever everyone chooses to believe in <clears throat> individually. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't know, like, I really need this to work. Like, I need to know that this is going to like, like, what if I find out that it doesn't work and then it's too late for me to like switch it out before I go on stage and like, right. You know what I mean? Like, what if it's the wrong medication and I find out too late and it doesn't actually seep in yet? Totally. And I was like, I just need like a sign that like everything is going to go okay. And I was saying it at a red light and I looked over because I heard a dog bark and it was next to a mailbox that said 2249. No, no. Which is both of our lucky numbers. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. I tried to take a picture of it for you, but my phone's doing this thing now where it just dies every time I try to use it. 2249. You're kidding me. Yeah, our lucky numbers. Wow. Holy shit. Yes. Guys, don't you love just being a part of this weird, like, world we have? Friendship, like, celebration we have every week. Um, that's amazing. But do they work? Did you get? I mean, I've only, I got Lexapro and I got Propranolol. I like propranolol. I've never tried Lexapro. Um, I don't notice anything with the Lexapro yet. But it takes a while with yeah, Lexapro. Yeah, it's been two days. And I was also told that I was supposed to be really drowsy, but nothing's happened yet. I mean, it takes like at least a week or 10 days to kick in. Okay. So, Just, like, so keep taking it because I know people have like gone off it. And oh, before. no. I What? <laughs> Is it still recording? Is it still recording? Yeah. What was that? Oh my god, you guys. <laughs> what the hell? All the lights just turned off. At it- the same time, including, you know what the creepy part about that was? That was the creepiest part. My laptop screen also went dark wait, and came back wait, on, and it's not plugged in wait, or anything. so did mine, and my now my neck is like covered in goosebumps because it didn't occur to me until you said that, that the whole room went black. Like the whole room, including things that weren't plugged in. Including and- my laptop. It went like that's why I asked if it was still it's recording because it went black and then popped back up with the rest of the fucking lights. What the hell? Did we just catch a ghost on here? I don't know. I'm I, sweating. I'm sweating too. That it was really literally like if you have an Apple laptop, you know how like <laughs> oh after God. a while, like they fade and get darker and then turn off black after 10 minutes. It's like they both went black at the, at same, the same time that second. every other light in this room went off. And we have a two lamps on i mean the whole thing went black including our screens that scared the crap out of me dude that was wild okay so basically take your anti er, <clears throat> anti-depression <laughs> okay yeah i feel like that was a sign if not anything else oh my god really you were scared. like seriously take take your medication or else and then everything went black oh my god okay here's okay. the thing i googled us this week which this is why i, I googled drink. us too oh good did you find that reddit post no. Okay, well, I Googled us today, and I found this Reddit post that's, like, some podcast bitch and bitch about, uh, like, their day, and no one want, no one gives a crap, blah, blah. I'm looking at you, and that's why we drink podcasts, and it really hurt my feelings. Then I was like, why are my feelings hurt about a Reddit post? But it hurt my feelings, and then I find us screaming into a microphone about how the power goes <laughs> out. But you know what? Whatever. Well, also, you know what? That guy can go fuck himself. Whatever. That's how we like to live our lives. If you don't like to hear us complain, you know what? We're not the only podcast in the world. Go listen to something else. Um. Anyway, so this episode is dedicated to Chloe. Chloe, <laughs> you're welcome for giving you a haunted episode. Anyway, Chloe, thanks after a Reddit guy bothered us. You're welcome. Is that baby G crying? 
He doesn't like when the, the fire alarm makes a beep noise. Hold on. Is that a sweet baboo? Is that a happy, handsome bear? Is that a happy, handsome bug? Hi, sweet baboo, my baby baby. Oh, man. Is that a baby G? So, anyway, Chloe, you're welcome for this haunted episode that is de- dedicated to you. Yay! What do you want to say to Chloe, who's been a donor for, like, five months now? A $25 donor. Mm, what do I want to say? Make it special. Stay in school, unless you already graduated. <laughs> then also stay in school. because Then also stay in school. The and real then world is not as fun. Don't do drugs. Um, thanks, Chloe. I also want to add that last week we talked about Aaron, and Aaron let me know that Aaron is a woman, not a man, even though we called her a man the whole time. Sorry we misgendered you. I'm very sorry I misgendered you. Also, a lot of people were really upset and are still really upset because episode 61 got fucked up. On Spotify and all that. On Spotify. And Spotify, I have been emailing with them for about four days now, back and forth and back and forth, trying my darndest, and it's still not fixed. I'm really sorry, but on every other platform besides Spotify, it is fixed. It was not an April Fool's joke that I cut out right (laughs) as I started my story, but... Go listen to the rest because my story was really good. It was about the tea cakes, remember? I do remember the tea cakes. It was cakes. so good. It was so fun. And so I want you guys to Maybe listen it was to karma. It. Maybe for falling asleep during <gasps> mine. Emma. Squirrels and tea cakes. Go listen to the rest of it. It's not... Uh, supposedly, it's going to be fixed on Spotify by this weekend. If not, it's on iTunes, Audio Boom, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Beep, boop, bop. Oh. Also, we found out the official time of our CrimeCon show. Yes. Friday, 2.15, Nashville, Tennessee, May 4th. Hmm. I wish my propanolol was not downstairs. <laughs> we could give it a whirl. Use our code ATWWD. Still time to get your weekend badge. Uh, you'll get to come meet us, give us a big hug, get a surprise gift from us. If you have already used our code, please email us so we can mail your gift to you. That's about all I have. Cool. But we really want you to come to Nashville. And also, if you're going, if you're in Nashville and you don't, you're not going to CrimeCon or if you're in the area and you are going, whatever. If you're just around there, May 4th through 6th, come to our meetup on Saturday, May 5th, which is, by the way, Cinco de Mayo. Hey, hey. We're going to be at a bar. Well, I'll be carrying Christine out of said bar. (laughs) Renata will be there. Linda will be there. Oh, I'm going to be carrying so many people. (laughs) Em's going to be fireman carrying everyone out of the I'll bar. I'll just bring a wagon and be like a drunk <laughs> tank for you guys. A wagon. And we'll be pulling a wagon. But seriously, we're going to be in Nashville on May 5th uh, at 8 p.m. And we don't know where yet, but Jess, our lovely mod, has set up a Facebook event. So go to our Facebook group and you'll see the event you can join so that she can pick the right venue for however many people are coming. Also, we um, still, I mean, it's... By the time you hear this, it might not be the case, but we do still have some tickets out mm-hmm. for our June 17th show yeah. um, in, at the Hollywood Improv Theater. Um, right now, I think we have about 30 left. Yep. And you, this is being recorded like three days before you're going to hear it if you listen on Sunday. So I don't know, but chances are there might be a couple left. Go get them. We want to meet you. Go get you. them. We want to drink with you. Yeah. Renata will be there too. <laughs> She's always there. I'll have my pill cutter and... Uh, <laughs> You guys can watch me get as sloppy as the rest of you. Oh, so fun. <clears throat> so fun for us all. So fun for us all. And guys, before we get a million emails about me, like, 
making jokes about taking too much propranolol that's not the case we're not joking i'm being oh <laughs> no i mean like oh, oh, oh. this isn't like a big joke right it's not a big joke i'm very aware of people who are not so lucky and being able to you have prescriptions and all that good stuff i am being very cautious it's been a journey to figure out how to manage your anxiety yes and you're you're figuring out how to do i'm it. very excited about my anti-anxiety medications please don't take that from me i have wanted them for so long <laughs> don't take that please don't please don't make me feel bad about it listen it took me about six years to figure out and now you're starting your journey and i'm so proud of you and i'm happy for you that means in six years when we're doing live shows maybe i'll actually be comfortable no because i feel like i'm Christine has given me a lot of advice. I just want to help you. And I feel like no one really was there to help me. So I feel like I kind of just blindly went along until I figured it out. So I hope at least our listeners and I, like a lot of people have been writing in with tips and yes, tricks. And a lot advice. of people have emailed me and a lot of people have emailed me kind words, being super supportive, saying that they don't care if I mess up. They just want to like see me, That's which so is actually very, very helpful because I think a lot of my anxiety comes from like, we've never met you guys. It's really important to us that we meet you it is and also like we don't ever hear your reactions so, right. like the fact that you guys say you laugh like we've never actually heard anyone laugh we don't us. believe you so like i really don't think i'm funny i think you all are just really nice we're like that girlfriend who's like you love me i don't believe you exactly <laughs> and so now i'm about to go on stage with several of you there and it's gonna scare me if you laugh because I've never heard anyone laugh and it's going to scare me if you don't laugh, because even if that's what I'm used to, this is the one time that like is not okay. I don't want to disappoint anyone. So it helps a lot that I've gotten a lot of emails being like, you could honestly fall asleep on stage and I won't care. I just want to be in a room with you. I assume that was directed at me about last week's episode, but (laughs) we can pretend it was. Sure. No, everyone's just been very kind and supportive. So because that's what they are. They're all so wonderful. If you guys see me like, have a nosebleed and pass out just clap and i'll i'll wake up oh I'll have it's like i need you guys it. to be like like the little children and i'll be tinkerbell and you have to clap so i so like you believe in me and then i'll wake up Is from the dead thing yeah what the hell tinkerbell dies and you have to clap to tinkerbell show you believe in dies? fairies what do you mean who has to clap what are you talking about did you ever like pay attention to the peter pan that no oh. <laughs> there was a dog in the beginning her name was nana yeah and i thought that was no weird. tinkerbell goes kaput and then you have to clap who's you you like the audience what audience if you're watching a movie peter pan was like a, a play too well i didn't you have to play. clap to, like to to revive a fairy you clap well, to show you believe she in needs them. a lot of fucking attention if that's the case <laughs> okay well so do i <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> okay noted got it okay. whatever if you believe in me clap actually maybe don't it'll scare me we're just gonna bring em on the stage on the ground you have to with clap. my gravity blanket in a pillow fort yes. with a plunger yes we're probably just gonna reenact an entire show for you and we'll let's start off too let's say it now let's just start the show the live show with us doing like a 10 minute throat clear like we do in real life anyway <laughs> Just go. <laughs> and then me going, I need a blanket. Also, I'm out of wine. Also, <laughs> and can you get the other box of wine? Let me text Blaze to bring up some wine. Um, uh, Alexander's telling us to be quiet because he's going to bed. Also, Blaze just te- literally just texted me, don't be alarmed. I'm printing to the printer from downstairs. That apparently means this printer next to your face is going to start printing. And I'm glad he warned us because we just got a creepy Robert the doll. And we put and it, then the lights went out. And the lights went out. We put it by the printer. And if the printer just started printing. <laughs> Imagine if it printed, Robert did it. What if he printed Robert did it? Then you need to marry him today because that is the funniest shit I've ever seen. (laughs) And I'll do it. I'll marry you. (laughs) 
Oh, is he, it's taxes. Is he for real fucking printing to our printer while we're recording and saying, don't be alarmed? There you're... Oh. Sally May. Also, we're planning on trips to other cities, by the way. <sighs> yeah. Um, come on. It's a vacation. Look at it that way. Where everyone's going to stare at me and I have to perform. And everyone keeps yelling, like, come here, come there. And we want to go And people clap this. and say, <laughs> I believe in fairies. Uh... Everybody's like, where are you going? Tell me. Uh, we don't really know, but we do know that our touring, our booking agent is working on it and he's trying to get us to other cities. So hopefully we will be with you soon if everybody buys these LA tickets. <laughs> okay. Anyway. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So tell me a story. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story, but then you're going to tell me a better one because I'm disappointed in this one. What do you mean? I was First of all, don't ever go to a live show and say, by the way, I'm disappointed with the thing I'm about to tell you. Just a first step. It's funny you think I'll even remember how to speak. Um, <laughs> so this one, I... Anyway, let's just... let's just <laughs> you, you become your own judge at, at this point. Well, I usually am. Okay, go ahead. Well, here's the, the reason I'm disappointed. It's not like the story's ruined or anything, but I heard a rumor that something really juicy happened. Like oh. this was like something really specific happened in the story, and then I couldn't find anything about it. So I was like, well, what the fuck? Wait, where'd you hear the rumor? Um, someone recommended it at work. Well, they're an asshole. I know, but then I did all this research, and I was like, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it, and then I couldn't find it. So... It ended up being a different story than I was hoping for. But it's still a good one. I'm sure it's still good. I, I believe in you. Clap, then. 
I will not participate in this weird <laughs> Tinkerbell thing you made up. I d- okay. Everyone's going to be like, and didn't make it up, Christine. But listen. Or maybe I dreamt it and I really did make it up and everyone is confused. <laughs> oh, that's just the worst. I think either way, everyone is confused. Okay, go on. Either way, we're going to get a million emails. <laughs> that's um, true. I, d- I hate that I did that to us. That's true. Um, okay, so this is known as the Morris Jumel Mansion. What the fuck is that? It is in Manhattan. Oh. Oh. That's fancy. Um, it is Manhattan's oldest house. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. It was built in 1765. <laughs> so, you know, only like nine years after America. Oh, I'm sorry. Nine before America. I was going to say that's incorrect, but okay. And also not nine. <laughs> Eleven. You know what? Before this, you couldn't even count to two. I watched you struggle counting to two about 20 minutes ago. So First of all, it was counting to three. Second of all... And you did it wrong! (laughs) This is called Welcome to Algebra, a podcast with Emma and Christine. Welcome to addition. Simple addition. We know how to add digits. Okay, go on. Okay, anyway, this house is older than America. (laughs) Built in 1765. Okay. By a British army officer named Roger Morris. That is nine years. Oh, no, you said 11. Okay, go on. (laughs) We are the same. We are. Sorry. And uh, so it was built by a British army officer as a wedding present for his wife. So that's kind. Did Blaze build this house for you? Um, He sometimes picks up Gio's poop in the backyard. Okay. Same same difference? Mm, No. Okay. So when Morris ended up fleeing America with his wife because uh, the Revolutionary War was about to start, he ditched the house that he built, which had to be crushing. Well, so they probably had just gotten here too, right? I would imagine so. So then they were like, okay, bye. Uh, The house was confiscated by the commissioners of forfeiture, which I know all about them. Yep. Sounds like a real league. You know, they have badges. It sounds like like actually a pretty cool team yeah i feel like it's like west side story mixed with like the fbi i guess if it were a sports team though you don't want to put forfeit in your name (laughs) (laughs) that's true whoops that's such a good point (laughs) um so anyway in 1776 that is the year of america i'm pretty sure america is zero the birth of a nation oh Um, man oh my remember that movie i don't want ever ever want to so in 1776 george washington uh set up his headquarters at this house Oh. Because it was empty. Well, that's fancy. Why not? Um, and he picked that spot because it was the highest point in Manhattan. Um, like physically. Like it was physically the highest. Okay. So he could like look down and like have a full view of like the grounds. Got it. Um, like you can basically it like it just allowed him to be able to see all the movements of the British forces. Okay. Um, you can actually still go up to the second floor and see the view from his war room. Oh, shit. That's cool. And, like, see the view for yourself. And you can actually check out the secret passageway that connects the war room to the rest of the home. (gasps) Also, how come I don't have a war room in my house? I mean, Em, I feel like that's something you have to create for yourself. Also, I've already told Allison one of my red flags when we started dating was that if we ever moved in together, our, our permanent home needs to have at least two secret passageways. Well, sure. And luckily for me... Uh, her whole family's full of architects, so looks like I'm getting those secret passageways. That is a good point. Okay. They can build whatever the fuck you want. As long as they like me, yes. 
So in 1790, George Washington, who is now president, uh, held his first cabinet meeting in this mansion. Wow. And John and Abigail Adams were there. Thomas Jefferson was there. Alexander Hamilton was there. James Madison was there. It was a big, a big founding father fest. <laughs> it was a big to do. And uh, the like, quote, cabinet battle that happened uh, in the second act of Hamilton, fun fact, was in uh, that oh, house. Oh, not that I've seen Hamilton, but oh. And uh, actually, the guy that wrote Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, well, he wrote it. Yeah, he wrote Hamilton. I didn't know he wrote it. That's how he got so famous. I thought he was a star. I didn't know. No, he like, he, that's like quite a history. Like he wanted that so bad. Like people made fun of him for years being like, I'm going to do a historical Broadway show. I'm so ignorant. God. Okay. I'm just saying it because otherwise a million people are going to say something. No, I, I'm, I just assumed that he was like starring in it. I didn't know he, no, he's, he studied like history and like had a really big passion for it. And he kept saying like, I'm going to do this. And everyone was like, wow, no, you're not. And it took him years, and then it became, like, this huge hit. That's, and that's incredible. That's It's, like, a big success okay. story. Yeah, I really had no idea. That's why he's, like, so big now. I had no idea. So he... That's why he also writes, like, songs for, like, Moana and shit now. Yeah, because like Because really he talented. wrote all the songs. Right. So, um... He... So he actually got inspiration for that part of the Hamilton act. Okay. Or that act in Hamilton. That scene in Hamilton? Fuck me. I'm not a theater person. But <laughs> I mean, I'm sure in I'll... the cabinet battle part of Hamilton, he actually wrote the lyrics for that while getting inspiration by being in the house that it happened. So he actually oh. has visited the Morris Jumbo mansion and in the room where the cabinet battle supposedly took place. He wrote the lyrics for it in that room. Holy shit. Fun fact. That's really wow. So by the 1800s, the mansion had also become a popular tavern called Calumet Hall. That's fun. And in 1810, the mansion was purchased by a wealthy French merchant named Stephen Jumel. So, actually, while we're at it, I'm just going to say all Hamilton fans will just really like this entire story. Yeah, I feel like we should have led with that. I, sh- I, I buried my lead, but also, <laughs> it's it's also going to become much more Hamilton-y in a second, so everyone just get ready. I mean, have, you haven't seen Hamilton, have you? I haven't because I know I'll lose my fucking mind because I'm like a big Broadway nerd. Are you Do sure? Do you know that about me? Yeah, but are you sure it's not? Because tickets are like $1,200. Because that's why I haven't seen it. I tried to go when it was in town here, and the minimum, like a nosebleed, was 340 And I was like, Yeah, I fuck know. That. Because Lisa Wen was like, Are you coming? And I was like, LOL. <laughs> I would love to see it if it were ever cheap enough. We but it won't be for a long time. Eventually. Okay. So in 1810, the mansion was purchased by Stephen Jamel with his mistress. Eliza and anyone that loves Hamilton is freaking out right now that I said the name Eliza. She's a very big character in Hamilton. Oh, well, I was about to say, isn't that the name from um... Hamilton? No. <laughs> yep, that's the one. No, from um, The Rain in Spain Falls Mainly in the Plain. My Fair Lady. I think so. Her name's Eliza, too. Okay. Okay, go on. Whatever. <laughs> Between Tinkerbell and all of these. This is called the Musical History Algebra Podcast. <laughs> we will teach you things (laughs) we will teach you all things that will not help you and they're also wrong and also you'll fail every class you take you will wince every time you have to answer a question ever again you will unsubscribe immediately um so eliza uh was so Stephen jamel bought this mansion 
and he had a mistress, Eliza, who moved in with him. And she was the illegitimate daughter of a sex worker. Okay. And she actually encouraged rumors that she was George Washington's child for a while. Oh, that's fun. So that's a fun thing about her. And she also convinced, so she was the mistress of Stephen. And by the time they lived in this house, she had convinced him to leave his wife and tricked him into marrying her by pretending to be terminally ill. (gasps) And as her dying wish asked for him to quote, make her an honest woman, which is ironic since it's the least honest thing she's ever done. Since she's lying about it. (laughs) So once they got married, because he, she guilted him into it. So then they got married, and once they were married, she miraculously survived her illness. But he forgave her, and to prove that he forgave her, bought this mansion for her. (gasps) What? In 1810. Um, So the Jumels back in France, where they had come from, they were acquaintances with, like, Napoleon Bonaparte. Like, they were, like, big people back then. But so, like, in France, they were really well-known, but in New York, they were considered, like, to be shunned by society. Because Eliza's reputation for being from a working class family and the rumors that said she also worked as a child sex worker in her own mother's brothel. Which is just really sad. Really horrible that she'd be the one that got like punished for that socially. Totally, totally. So um so in 1832, her husband, Stephen, died, and the exact cause is unknown, but he did die in the house and Reports say that he either died from pneumonia, from injuries during a carriage accident, or from him falling on a pitchfork. What? And the gossip says that um, he fell on a pitchfork and got bandaged. And then in the middle of the night, Eliza said she was helping to check on the wounds, but took apart the bandages and he bled out. What? A local medium actually also says that Eliza buried him alive. What? So one of those things happened, but he died in Do the house. Do people really fall on pitchforks? I feel like that's Maybe in a, 1832. I guess there were a lot more pitchforks. The ratio, the pitchfork ratio was higher. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a top, a hot ticket item at a store. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. With all the grass, because there was no skyscrapers. Right, yes. You know what I mean? All the, gra- the grass. I mean, the more skyscrapers there are the less likely you are to see a pitchfork. Am I right? right? There's like a grass pitchfork ratio that... Go to a rural area, you're going to see a lot more pitchfork sales. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Ace Hardware does not operate the same in, you know, New York as it does in the suburbs. You get it. Aren't we in Manhattan in this story? Uh, Yeah, but in 1832. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay. So there's maybe like a skyscraper that reaches like... 10 feet tall now we're bordering into statistics so we, oh. we should probably add that to our our mathematical genius yes our list of uh subjects there's nothing we're not good at we're good at everything <laughs> <laughs> i can't even say it with the straight face okay. um so a month later months later after he died somehow sure in the house she took on a new suitor aaron burr where all the hamilton people are freaking out again oh yeah because Aaron Burr killed Hamilton. Oh, shit. You. Spoiler alert. A lot of a <laughs> lot of people's minds are exploding that you know so little about Aaron Burr. I know nothing. I know. I know. And that's okay to me. But to some people, it's not. <laughs> to me. <laughs> I mean, we also know that history is like your forte. So I mean, uh, also English isn't my first language. But let's just also <laughs> add that when the Hamilton thing happened, I was like, okay, when I watch it, I'll really dive into it. And then I never watched, like saw it. Right. And so I kind of was like. Well, I missed the boat, so I'm just not even going to, like, 
right pretend so i just ignored it that's fair which is stupid but anyway no but i get it at least like you knew like it's at least i'm gonna own that i i never got into it at the right time to like it but in a few years i'll probably watch it when it's cheaper and then i'll be like wow i'm so into hamilton and everyone's gonna be like god damn it christine (laughs) nobody cares but you um so we can get into it together we'll get into it together because i know i would love it me too. I know so intensely. You and I would probably but I'm afraid. Just be like I'm afraid of myself. One another. Yeah. Yeah. Because I also I know all the songs word for word, but that's also because I lived with Cap in Boston. <laughs> that helps. So when you know someone who loves Hamilton, you kind of like absorb all the information. Yeah. yeah. When you when you're with someone that loves something, you love it too. What's that thing that they go like? Shot. What's that thing they sing? <laughs> This is my shot. Oh, 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 yeah. I thought you were talking about like a shot of alcohol. No. I was like, what let's are you take about? a tequila shot. No. <laughs> um, but okay. Right, right, so right. shot. Nope. Okay. Oh my. So that's what it is, right? Yes, you're right. What is it? Let's not make me sing. Okay, fine. My performance anxiety is peaking. Propranolol. And by singing, I mean rap. Hamilton rap. Right. Sure. 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 Um, so only months later, Eliza took a new suitor, Aaron Burr who was once a vice president of the United States, and he is famous for killing Alexander Hamilton in a duel. <gasps> I didn't know it was a duel. That's It was, and it was also technically an accident. Oh. Drama. What do you mean technically an accident? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you find out when we go see Hamilton together in oh. seven years. <laughs> then I'm going to be like, now I get it. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, that reference back in 2018 is That's so funny now. so embarrassing. Okay. So despite... Blah. Despite Burr's age, because he was 77 at this point, Mm. all the nonsense... Guys, if you've seen Hamilton, which I'm sure like 95% of you guys have, this is like the sequel like decades later. Like this, all the Hamilton... They wrapped like 40 years ago. And (laughs) now they're here and he's 77 and marrying Eliza. Okay. Um, They married in the front parlor of the mansion. And by the time Stephen, her prior husband, had died, she was one of the wealthiest women in New York. And uh, at this point in life, Burr, Aaron Burr, was, like, not liked by anyone because, one, he killed Alexander Hamilton in, in the duel. Two, he was tried for treason. And three, he was incredibly in debt. And so he was 77 and was, like, ready to kick the bucket. So chances are he probably just wanted to marry Eliza for her money just to, like, resolve all of his issues. Oh, wow. And uh, so he just started showing up at Eliza's doorstep every day asking her to marry him. Oh, and she kept saying no, and one day she said yes, and nobody really knows, like, what changed her mind. But rumor has it he showed up at her doorstep with a priest <gasps> and wouldn't leave until she said yes. Oh, my God. So, like, was manipulated into it. So, anyway, they got married, and uh, he used all of her, not all of her money, but used a lot of her money to pay his debts. And they ended up separating, and on the day that he and her got divorced he died what um and fun fact her divorce attorney was alexander hamilton's son no way drama is this part of the musical (laughs) i don't think so because i've also not seen it i feel like my stomach i'm like is this part of the show (laughs) that's what our moms say about our show oh my god every time so um after he died Eliza took to calling herself the widow of the ex-vice president of the United States. The widow of the... Okay. And in 
France, she called herself the vice queen of the United States. <laughs> Imagine uh, if you just called yourself something like that. I absolutely will do that. So anyway, she lived in that house and died in 1865 at the age of 90. Oh, my. And then uh, records report her as alone and her granddaughter, who was taking care of her, moved out and like couldn't take care of her anymore, like couldn't handle her. And Eliza was there by herself and, quote, had all these weird dinner parties that no one came to. <laughs> that's me at 90. <laughs> so that was what she was up to. Wait, she, that's 90s really old, though. And she died of dementia. And it was in 1865. That's that's amazing. For that time period, can you imagine being born in the fucking 1700s and then living to be 90? That's crazy. Wow. That's like really abnormal. Um, but her dinner parties must have been a blast. Oh, yeah, her and all the fucking people she created in her mind. It was mind. just her and no one else. Oh, but also that makes me really sad if she had dementia. She probably kept forgetting that she threw a party. It's very sad. That's very sad. Let's let's skip over this. Okay, let's move on. In 1903, the Daughters of American Revolution actually bought the mansion and turned it into a museum. Mm -hmm. And the DAR actually saw Eliza as so scandalous that they tried to remove any trace of her from the house. And so to this day, they try to call the mansion Washington's headquarters from the Revolutionary War. Even though Washington was only there for 33 days and Eliza lived there for 55 years. Oh, my God. Let Eliza have her moment. So, Well, she's having it right now. Good, good, good. This is what she wanted all the way back then to be on a podcast. Good girl. About her weird dinner parties. <laughs> That's all I want in my afterlife. So here are the ghost things. Tell me. Um, so in 1810, all the way back then. Wow. Um, Jamel... Stephen Jamel actually got the house uh, $2,000. He got it knocked off of the price because even back then it was rumored to be haunted. Whoa. And he got $2,000 of money back then taken That's off. Nuts. So I just have a list of things that happened. There are sounds from rooms that nobody is in. There is singing until you show up and then there's nothing there and the door will crack as if someone tried to leave without you catching them mm -mm. um shadows will stare at you while you sleep windows will open on their own in the house and then in the 1960s there was a group of children waiting on the lawn to go into the house for a tour at, i guess like a field trip mm -hmm. and they said that they saw a woman come out on the second story balcony look down and say my husband is very ill you have to keep quiet and then they, like, looked up and she wasn't there. Like, they looked back up and she wasn't there. Yeah. Then they looked down and talked to their friends again to say, where was she? And then they looked back up and she was there shushing them, saying, again, my husband's very ill. Please be quiet. Or you have to keep quiet. What a creepy ghost story. So then they went to go tell the curator, like, hey, there's a girl up there telling us to be quiet. Who is she? And the curator was the only one in the house. He checked every room. And when he went up to the plate, the room with the second story balcony, the window was open to, on the balcony and the door slammed behind him when he left. <gasps> and on his way downstairs from the room, he heard someone knock from the inside. <gasps> so the, then that, that same day during the tour, the children saw a mannequin dressed in her old clothes and not knowing anything about her said, that's what the woman was wearing on the balcony. Oh, no, no, no. Um, the curator then decided he was going to hold a seance. And <laughs> <laughs> good oh, guy. <laughs> when oh, in doubt, okay. sage it out. Sure. So he decided he was going to hold a seance in Madame Jamel's bedroom. And he actually 
I should have looked into this more, but I was kind of in a rush. But it says he held a seance complete with a radio broadcast. Like they like what? broadcasted the seance back then. So if anyone can find that link. That's my kind of seance. Apparently, according to the current owners of the mansion, during this radio broadcast, quote, they got such foul language that it had to be cut off the air. <laughs> oh, from the spirit. I'm such a fucking idiot because I just said if anyone can find a recording of this, who the hell recorded something in like the 60s? I don't know, but I really... What do you mean who recorded something? Like who who has like their iPhone in the 60s recording a broadcast? Oh, but I'm sure there are... I mean... Someone maybe somewhere like a really heavy video camera. You mean a video recording? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking an audio recording. Oh, I don't know. I I imagine it's very hard to find. If anyone does find it, Um, let me know. What the hell do you want? Apparently a new brain because I can't think for myself. (laughs) Um, Okay. So anyway, it was the language was so bad in the seance that they had to cut it off the air. During these seances, though, apparently Stephen Jamel was able to admit that he was murdered by his wife, who had, in fact, pulled off his bandages after the pitchfork, pitchfork, <laughs> after the pitchfork accident. Ah! Um, and he suffered, uh, he suffered uh, from bleeding to death. <gasps> um, so the other things that happen are young kids refuse to go into the room that he apparently died in, screaming, no, no, we can't go there. Bad things happen down there. Oh, no. People also hear a child barking inside the walls. A and child barking. And feel scratches on the back of their head. Ugh. Uh-uh. During the Revolutionary War, a soldier got drunk and took a fall down the stairs and died from the fall. Oh, boy. And according to... Uh, so a lot of people say that they see a, a ghost of a soldier um, on the staircase. They say that it was a Haitian soldier. So I think that's was like British... A British troop, but a German mercenary or something like that. A Haitian soldier. Uh, they see him standing, marching, or staring at you from the stairs. Um, and he's one of the most common apparitions. People will also see the spirit of the soldier climb out of paintings. Uh, uh, why? Like, if you're in a room with a painting, he will climb out of it when why? you're alone. I don't <clears> like that. He will also climb out of windows if you see his reflection. No. He will step out and either stand there like he can't see you or he will charge at you and vanish. That's why are those the two options? It's like, take your bet. Come on. (laughs) Um, According to a 1981 New New York Times article, as far back as the 1800s, visitors have been seeing this soldier on the staircase Um, to a point where even Eliza's stepdaughter or no, Eliza's adopted daughter um, refused to sleep in the house because she swears she saw a soldier in the reflection stick his arm out and try to touch her. How fucking creepy is that? I like how it says that he would either step out of the painting and stand there like he can't see you. Like, what else is he doing? Like, he just stepped out of a fucking painting. Like, is he just standing there now? Like, huh? Well, he- now I've done that today. <laughs> like, <laughs> what like, else is there? Step one. That's all I've planned. Or is he like step one? Now watch as I stand here in my. Let, let me act let, watch me act like that wasn't even a big deal right right mm-hmm. like you see what i did oh it's ndv <laughs> that's a good point there is also an apparition of a young girl the one who probably barks in the walls yeah no who was a servant girl on the top floor where the servants quarters were she jumped out of the window to her death <gasps> um back in the earlier days after being romantically involved with one of the, with one of the members of the family oh um 
she will scream from empty rooms for you to look for her. And then you go into the room and the screaming instantly stops. <gasps> That's so sad. She will pace bedrooms and lock you in rooms when you're alone. You, people have even heard her say help or please leave on EVP investigations. <sighs> and she will clean around the museum after it's closed because she was a servant. So I think she just only knows how to clean. That's really sad. Up until the seance, you could also see, feel, and hear Stephen Jamel, who would stare at you and follow you wherever you went. People heard growls and knocks on walls and tables near them. Staff would feel someone pinch them or mess with their belongings. And you could even hear Stephen Jamel from upstairs complaining about how painful Eliza was removing his bandages. Oh! So you can hear him upstairs going, ow, that hurts. Uh, Stop. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Um, they've also gotten EVPs of him saying, ow, that hurts. Stop. Or don't take that off. So creepy. Oh, no. Um, last thing I've got is a quote. Okay. Um, oh, we've got one more thing first. Uh, so the people who actually run this mansion right now, because it's a museum, they insist that there is no ghost there at all. Um, but it doesn't explain, apparently, that it doesn't explain why so many people swear that they see people walking around upstairs in the windows or that they, once they're walking up and down, um, like once they're pacing the windows, people will see the shadows stop and turn at them when it senses that you're looking at them. <laughs> um, and many people see a woman in a purple dress on the second and third floors, which is probably Eliza because she was known to wear that dress. Um, a lot of people have been freaked out by seeing the shadows walking in the middle of the night upstairs and then stopping and staring at them. Oh, my. Um, they've said that they've seen, like, laser red eyes stare at them, like something demonic. And so people have been really freaked out. And there have been several vigilantes who have tried to destroy the house. And uh, this is a quote from the current owner saying... There's one man who is always after us to let him sleep in the house so he can feel the vibrations. And local practitioners of voodoo have slaughtered chickens on the lawn <laughs> and people who decided... And there's also people who decided to exercise the ghost by burning down the house and set fire to an outdoor shed, which contained what proved to be an extremely explosive power mower. <gasps> no! Why would people... Oh, God, people are so dumb. So anyway... People just, like, slaughter chickens and try to blow up the place. And just blow up a power mower. Great. Okay. Okay. Let's go. That's it. Let's go there. Oh, no. Well, maybe if we ever do a live show in New York. Hint, hint, wink, wink, sure. nudge, nudge, cough, cough. Andrew, are you listening? Andrew? Hello. Fresh. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com uh, and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. 
And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. All right, you ready for my story? (laughs) Yes, I'm ready for this doozy that you call a story when I've heard it's actually a saga. Uh, Do you appreciate that I stayed awake? Yeah, it's kind of expected a little. (laughs) I need some attention about it. Bravo. Thank you. This is the story of Barbara and Patricia Grimes. Okay. Do, do you know it? Mm-mm. Okay, great. Buckle up. I'm buckled. So, let me transfer you back to transport. That's not a word. Transfer me back. Let's transfer you. Fax me back. Let's fax. To a time where we faxed. Let's go. <laughs> let's, tra- <laughs> let's fax you to the HR department <laughs> in 1985. No. Okay. Let's transport you back to 1956 i'm transported that's the year after marty mcfly's parents fell in love yeah i feel like you keep using that as a reference point and i find it very helpful it is to me i mean to you not to anyone else but to you sure i'm there uh okay so 15 year old barbara 12 year old patricia sisters best friends big elvis fans good i mean Good call for them. Trifecta. Trifecta. So, on December 28th of 1956, um, the two decided to go see a screening of Elvis Presley's newest movie. Mm-hmm. Remember, he did movies, too. Oh, I, who would forget? Yep, yep. Maybe people who aren't Elvis fans. Maybe people who didn't watch Hamilton. Oh, but, maybe. you know, you never know. Uh, and his newest release was called Love Me Tender. Mm-hmm. Big hit. They lived in a neighborhood southwest of Chicago, so it was a Chicago suburb suburb called Brighton Park. Uh, it was actually the 11th time that they were seeing the movie. Not judging them. Not judging. Not if judging. I were alive when it, uh, during a time when Elvis Presley was, like, making movies, man, uh, I'd be on top of it. Can you imagine how many times I would have seen Back to the Future in theaters if, if it, I could? Timely? Right, I know. 55, probably. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, I spit everywhere. Uh, yep, 55 for sure. On the dot. Exactly. Patricia and Barbara left their home at around 7.30 p.m. to head to the theater, and the theater was about a mile and a half from their house, and they told their mother that they would be home by midnight. So they left the house with about $2.50. The days. I know. (laughs) Not funny. Transfer me back. Do you get it? I'm actually going to fax you back. (laughs) (laughs) Fax me back to the days where Back to the Future costs $2.50. Fax me back. So they left with about $2.50 in their pocket. Uh, Barbara had actually been instructed to keep 50 cents of the money in the zipper of her wallet in case they decided to watch the movie a second time later that night. I like how the mom just knew. And she was like, she was like, just, we all know what's going to happen. We're not going to keep the money from you. We're just going to give it to you <laughs> and be like, just use it when you have to, inevitably. Um, so they went to the movies. A friend of Patricia's from school named Dorothy Weinert. Uh, later told investigators that she had been seated behind the two sisters during the film. And when she and her sister left the theater during intermission at around 930, they saw Barbara and Patricia in line for popcorn, seemingly in They'd probably go again. happy, good spirits, and that they were going to see exactly see the second movie. So uh, since they had stayed to see the second movie, they were expected. To, and obviously the mom was like, OK, I gave the money to see the second right. movie. They're going to do it. Uh they were expected to return home around 11.45 p.m., uh, but the girls hadn't returned by midnight, so their mother, Loretta, sent the girls' older sister, Teresa, and their older brother, Joey, to go wait by the nearest bus stop to their house. So three buses drove by without either girl on board, and that's when the kids went home, and Loretta was really concerned and filed a missing persons report for her two daughters. So the police at first assumed that the girls were runaways, standard, you know, and it took a few days before they started the investigation, but once they did, it actually became one of the biggest missing persons cases in the history of Cook County. Wow. And the biggest money and labor intensive. Cook County, Georgia? No. Cook County, Illinois, Chicago. Cool. Which is a big deal because it was like greater chicago area basically so it became one of the most labor intensive and most expensive missing persons cases in the history of the county um so right off the bat hundreds of police officers were assigned full time to the search for the missing sisters there was a task force that was solely 100 percent dedicated to locating them and hundreds of local volunteers joined the search police conducted door-to-door canvassing throughout the neighborhood where barbara and patricia were last seen and they even dragged, like, local canals and rivers uh, to see if they could find their bodies, but nothing was turned up. And then 15,000 flyers were distributed to local Jeez. homes. 15,000. And parishioners of the church that the sisters attended offer, offered a $1,000 reward for information, which, you know, in the 50s was yeah. quite a bit of money. Um, and still is. Uh, so it was believed for a long time that the sisters had run away and the suspicions were fueled by all the sightings that started to come in i got a lot so i'm going to list some of the sightings that were uh widely reported like Mm -hmm. um and a lot of these i got from the subreddit unresolved mysteries which is a great subreddit by the way if anyone has not checked it out they cover all the cold cases and super cool people discuss them and add like their theories and thoughts it's really interesting 
So I went on that subreddit and looked up this case, and here are some of the most widely reported sightings that, don't worry, I also cro- cross-reference these with uh, <laughs> other real articles to make oh, sure. Oh, okay, neat. To make sure they're real. <laughs> um, okay. Numerous people said they saw the girls boarding a bus leading east into the city after the movie. And the girls allegedly got off the bus at Western Avenue about halfway to their home around 11.05 p.m. But no one has an explanation for why they would get off halfway back to their house Mm -hmm. as opposed to all the way back. Second, two teenage boys said that while they were driving through the neighborhood at approximately 11.30 p.m., they saw the sisters heading east on 35th Street, quote, giggling and jumping out of doorways at each other, end quote. Uh, And at this point, they would have been approximately two blocks away from their home. Mm -hmm. A security guard on the northwest side of Chicago believed he was asked for directions by the Grimes girls near Lawrence and Central Park Avenues on the morning of December 29th. A classmate of Patricia's eating at Angelo's Restaurant on the evening of December 29th reported seeing Patricia walking past with two unidentified girls past the window while she was eating dinner. Uh, A railroad conductor reported seeing the two girls on a train near the Great Lakes Naval Training Center on December 3rd. So this is all within, like, the days Mm -hmm. after their disappearance. On December 30th at 5.40 a.m., the owner of the DNL restaurant said he had seen both girls, with Patricia apparently too drunk or too sick to walk without staggering, accompanied by a man who was later identified to be Benny Bedwell, Mm. who I will mention, who is a suspect. Uh, And this location was over five and a half miles from the Brighton Theater. And a clerk at the nearby Claremont Hotel went to actually view the bodies at at the mortuary and identified the sisters as having checked into the hotel on that same night. On January 1st of 1957, the girls were reported to have been aboard a bus uh, leaving town. The following week, a night clerk at another Chicago hotel refused two girls a room because of their age, and he believed them to be the Grimes sisters. Uh, On January 3rd, three employees at a local department store thought they had seen the girls listening to Elvis Presley at the record counter Hmm. at the department store. And then a woman reported having met them at a bus station in Nashville and accompanied them to a state employment agency to search for work. Um, she even looked at photos and said that, that those were the same girls and identified them as using the Grimes last name. Oh, wow. And then on January 14th, the parents of one of Patricia Grimes' classmates received two f- telephone calls around midnight. Uh, during the first call, nobody at the other end spoke. And then when the second phone call came through 15 minutes later, the mother heard a, quote, frightened and depressed voice asking, is that you, Sandra? Is Sandra there? And before the mother, Anne, could bring her daughter to the phone, the caller had hung up, and Anne said she was convinced the caller's voice belonged to Patricia Grimes. Which is just very Wild. sad. Yeah. Um, so anyway, despite all this, no evidence, no hard evidence could be found. There was nothing that, like, 100% tied any theory to right. reality. Um, and a lot of people still believe that the sisters had run away, in fact, a lot of people actually believe that the sisters had run away to Nashville to see Elvis Presley in concert or to, quote, emulate Elvis Presley's lifestyle. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> sure. That's what we're off to do next. So, I mean, that's what we do every day. 
I will have a blue. Ooh. Christmas. Gonna, I'm just going to keep drinking. You keep going. Without you. <laughs> Ooh. What do we call you? Envis impersonator. I am Envis the impersonator. <laughs> I'm bummed I already used that for a title of an episode. <laughs> Can I use it again? Envis returns. <laughs> <laughs> Envis returns. Okay. Great. Uh, this continues, by the way. We're going to keep talking about all of this. Oh, shit. Yep. Is Uh, that what we do on this podcast? Just keep talking? We talk about algebra, statistics. Music, English, literature. We cover all the bases. Broadway. We're like Schoolhouse Rock. We are Schoolhouse Rock. Did you actually listen to Schoolhouse Rock? Yes, I did. In Germany? I didn't live in Germany, you dummy. (laughs) What's that song? Um... Conjunction Junction, Interplanet Janet. Function? No, what's the one? Um, I know them all. Tell I me. I know the one. I memorized it. What is it? The preamble? Yes. How's huh. it start? We the people in order to form a more perfect union. See, we're good. Ensure domestic tranquility. Provide for the common defense. Promote the general welfare and secure justice and liberty for ourselves and our posterity. Posterity. Posterity to our state or day and establish a constitution for the. United States of America. <laughs> For the USA. United USA. States of America. So. And that's how we learned in America to all of our international <laughs> listeners. And that's why we don't deserve to be citizens. So, like, where did you get your education? Um, the Animaniacs in Schoolhouse Rock. There were cartoons. That was about TV. it. We drooled and watched them. I would intentionally avoid school so I could go home and then learn. <laughs> This is why we're allowed to be U.S. citizens, but immigrants who, who are so much smarter than us, who know actual facts about the United States, aren't. Ugh, anyway, it's disgusting. But they can't sing that song, so we deserve Ugh. all our rights. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> so, so let's keep talking about this. Well, I hate everything that just happened. Okay. <laughs> um. Blah, blah, blah. So, Envis is back. Anyway, we're going to keep talking about him. Yes. So, in fact, this theory that they had run away to like be elvis or like me elvis was so widely circulated that elvis presley himself or rather the graceland estate released a statement on january 19 1957 saying where elvis himself said quote if you are good presley fans you'll go home and ease your mother's worries oh so elvis himself had something to say wow Three days later, on January 22nd, 1957, which was a little over a month after the girls had disappeared, a construction worker named Leonard Prescott was driving along a rural country road called German Church Road when he saw what looked like mannequins over the guardrail. No. Does not end well. (gasps) He later returned with his wife, Marie, to check the site. I like how he brought his wife. He was like, I don't want to be in on this alone. He did. He went home and brought her back to be like, can we, like, double-check this? Apparently, she, okay, well, I'll finish, and then I'll tell you. Uh, it turned, I mean, obviously, he returned with his wife, Marie, to check the site, and they found what turned out to be uh, not mannequins, but actually the frozen bodies of Barbara and Patricia Grimes, oh, man. 15 and 12 years old. Um, his wife, Marie, was so shocked that she had to be carried back to the car. 
the girls' bodies were nude, so all their clothes had been removed. Jesus. They were laid on a flat, snow-covered surface behind the guardrail, just feet away from a steep embankment of a creek known as Devil's Creek. Mm. Uh, Barbara was laying on her left side with her legs drawn slightly up toward her torso, and Patricia was laying on her back with her body covering her sister's head and her own head turned sharply to the right. Ugh. Investigators believe the sisters had been driven to this location after their death and then been thrown over the guardrail. Gross. And sad and horrible. Upon investigation, police discovered three wounds on Barbara's chest that resembled those typically inflicted by ice picks. Ew, ice picks. Barbara also had blunt force trauma to the face and head, and Patricia's face and body was covered in bruises. Mm. So the police brought, this is really sad, the police brought the girl's father, Joseph, to the crime scene to identify his daughter's bodies, and he correctly identified them as Barbara and Patricia, which is just so sad. God. Uh, after searching the scene, police couldn't really find much evidence like pertaining to the bodies, although uh, the search itself would la- later be severely criticized because uh, critics claim that people trampled all over the evidence and walked through the scene and mm-hmm. it wasn't conducted in a very thorough manner. Got it. Um, so the autopsies is where things get crazy so the autopsies were performed the next day uh and although three experienced forensic pathologists performed the autopsies um they were challenged at the time and are still challenged today they were unable to reach an agreement on either a date or cause of death they did determine um that the sister's stomach contents uh were the same meals that they had eaten the day that they had uh gone missing Okay. So they determined... It's like popcorn and stuff? Yeah. It was like their dinner or whatever they had at home. And yeah, like popcorn or whatever. Um, And they determined that the sisters had most likely died within approximately five hours of the time they had last been seen alive in the theater. And the cause of death in each case was ruled as being a combination of shock and exposure. But at the same time, uh, they concluded that uh, the cause of death was murder so they were Mm. like oh it was murder but it was also like exposure maybe it was like murder that like someone allowed them to be yeah they thought it was like very close i think even one of the um pathologists was like it was a very clever way of murdering someone and people were like what right uh like it's very it's a it's murder because someone intentionally allowed that to happen to them yeah yeah um, but at the same time, um, so the, the, the wounds that they had on their bodies, the experts concluded that most of the wounds had been likely inflicted by rodents after their death. Oh my God. So like the bruises and punctures. No. I know it's horrifying and no obvious fatal wounds were discovered upon either of their bodies. And the toxicology reports revealed that neither girl had been drunk, drugged or poisoned prior to their death. So there was nothing in their systems that showed, like, any sort of incapacitation. Mm -hmm. Uh, They never found any item of their clothes. The bodies were described as being remarkably clean. Um, And the body, or the autopsies also discovered that Barbara, the older girl who was 15, had uh, engaged in sexual intercourse. There was semen found inside Mm. her. 
but there's no way to tell whether it was consensual or not. So basically, they said that it was murder, but the cause of death was secondary shock. So very confusing. Um, the chief investigator at the time, uh, Harry Gloss, who was the investigator for the Cook County Coroner's Office, disagreed with the official time of death, saying later that the numerous marks of violence on the girls' faces was strongly indicative of their being the recipients of violence as opposed to post-mortem rodent infestation. So mm. he believed that they had actually been beaten in real life as opposed to being attacked by rodents after their death. And he also believed that the ice that was found on their bodies and their skin had um, indicated that they had been alive at least until January 7th because um, he didn't think that the snowfall would have reacted with their body heat in that way. Got it. If they had been dumped there when they were dead like weeks mm -hmm. before. So he thought they had been alive when they were or like near alive when they had been dumped or had been recently killed to have the ice react to their bodies that way. So they disagreed on that. And Gloss also stated that both girls had been subjected to sexual assaults throughout their period of captivity, adding that the autopsy conducted upon Patricia had discovered semen within the vaginal fluid and that, I don't know why this indicates that Barbara had a sexual, a sexual encounter, but he said there was curdled milk found in Barbara Grimes' stomach when she is known to not have drank milk either at home or at the cinema. Okay. I don't really know what that has to do with one another, but... That's weird. He said it's an indicative of a sexual assault. I'm not sure. So, anyway, police began to gather suspects, and actually, guess how many people they interrogated? Twelve. Three hundred thousand. <gasps> what? Three hundred fucking thousand. And then serious interrogation, like, they thought maybe this is the person. Two thousand. People. Oh, my God. Yeah. So remember how I mentioned that guy earlier, Benny Bedwell, mm -hmm. right? So he was a drifter. He was originally from Tennessee. And at the time, he was working as a part-time dishwasher in a Skid Row restaurant in Chicago. Uh, he was tall and allegedly bore a strong resemblance to Elvis Presley. Hmm. Uh, according to the owners of the restaurant where he worked, John and Minnie Duros, he and another young man had been at the, at the restaurant in the company of two girls who they believed physically resembled Patricia and Barbara Grimes. Gotcha. In the early morning hours of December 30th, which is the day after the movie. Mm. So, uh, the owner, Minnie Duros, told police, hey, I think my employee was with these two girls at the restaurant. And so Bedwalt was arrested and he was interrogated for three days. And initially, he was insistent that, like, his bosses were wrong and that he had nothing to do with it. But after three days, uh, on January 27, 1957, he was charged with the murders. And was after writing a 14-page confession in which he claimed that he and a 28-year-old acquaintance of his had indeed been in the company of the Grimes sisters on December 30th, uh, had been with them for a week had been drinking with them uh, in various saloons and then after they refused to accept their sexual advances had beaten them to death and then shoved their nude bodies into a snow-filled ditch after the confession the girl's mother loretta said 
quote, it's a lie. My girls wouldn't be on West Madison Street. They didn't even know where that was. And after a while, they couldn't hold him on that because it was basically coercion. Mm -hmm. They basically forced him into admitting the murder. Super manipulative. Yeah. He was also, it turns out, illiterate and had limited mental capacity. Okay. Um. And what's even more telling is that the autopsy reports showed no alcohol. Okay, so he also claimed that he had fed... I don't know if I meant... I don't think I mentioned this. He had fed the girls alcohol and hot dogs before murdering them. There was uh, okay. no alcohol or hot dogs found in their systems. It was just part of his, like, 14-page report. Right. His 14-page confession. Uh, and the girls had also not been beaten to death. So basically everything else... Uh, in his confession did not align with the actual autopsy reports. And then to top it all off, uh, he had also, it turns out clocked in at another job that he had during the time period that the sisters were abducted. So on February 6th, he was freed. Although that same guy, Harry Glose that I mentioned continued to believe that he committed the murder. Um, and he was also the same guy who disagreed with the autopsy report. Right, right, right. Yeah. So this guy was like, no, the investigators are just covering up uh, the potentially potential details of the case to uh, protect the girls' reputations and spare their mother's feelings. So he was under the impression that like the police were just trying to make the girls look less scandalous. scandalous. Exactly. Uh, but so he refused to retract the statement, and he believed it and wouldn't back down. So, Gloss was actually fired by uh, the head coroner, Walter McCarran, on February 15th. And uh, later on, Gloss himself would be deputized by Sheriff Lohman, who actually agreed with Gloss that the girls had been beaten and tortured by a sexual predator mm-hmm. who had lured them into his vehicle. Um, and so, he hired Gloss back to work on the case without pay. And the same year of his acquittal... That guy, Bedwell. Right, right, right. Was actually tried and acquitted of the rape of a 13-year-old girl in Tennessee. <sighs> so it's That just, doesn't help. Doesn't help. Doesn't help. So it's still unclear, but it's still like, oh, things aren't as black and white as they might seem. Right, right, right. So that was the first suspect. <clears throat> the second suspect was 17-year-old Max Fleeg. Okay. He was a prime suspect, um, but due to his age, which was 17, he was protected by Illinois law that prevented juveniles from subjection to polygraph tests. Oh, that's interesting. It's a fun law. It's a very weird law. You know. Okay, whatever. Whatever. We don't make the laws around here. Ugh, not even in our, our own studio. Or in Illinois. Or in Illinois. Elsewhere, maybe we do, but not here or in Illinois. Intergalactic laws where we <laughs> like to lie. It's our specialty, yeah. actually. You know, I went to school with someone who went to... He literally went to college for space law. What is wrong? Oh, it's that's cool. actually really interesting. I like to tell myself that space law and intergalactic law are the same thing. Technically, they kind of are they in my are, mind. They are, but like when you say intergalactic, it sounds more it like... It sounds like you're like negotiating with aliens. Fictional, right? Yeah. Cool. Space law is still pretty fucking dope, though. Yes. Space law. Okay. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Okay. So, he was not required to take a polygraph, but Chicago Police Captain Ralph Pataque still talked him into taking one. 
Well, of course. So, of course he did. He's the Chicago police captain. He's Pacagua or whatever his name was. Pacagua. What was his name? Patakwe. Patakwe. I mean, from Pottawatomie County. (laughs) (laughs) Squirrel jail. Yeah. He, his name's Ralph. So, I mean, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Sure. So, Ralph got him to take a polygraph test anyway. And allegedly, this kid, Max, confessed to the murders during his polygraph test. Hmm. But with no legal means of using the test as evidence, right. the police were forced to release him without charge. Additionally, there was a lack of physical evidence corroborating his unofficial polygraph confession that he had kidnapped and killed the sisters. So uh, he was let go and they had no way to tie him to the murders but he was later imprisoned for the murder of a young woman well at a different time at least things caught up to him a little bit so they're just catching all these people who are they just happen to be catching a lot of criminals anyway like future criminals yeah ay 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 so okay the next suspect was a 53 year old man named walter kranz Crayons. Okay. You'll like this one. He was a steam fitter. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I love this so far. I was going to say, I I was hoping you'd react, but you're not going to. A steam fitter? I mean, it's probably got to be like a... I'll ask my dad. He works in like steel and shit. And slag pots. (laughs) What's a steam fitting slag pot? Mr. Schieffer. Don't ask him. He's going to send us three emails. No, actually, he's going to write a fake news article about it (laughs) and send it to us. And leave me weird cryptic voicemails from fake numbers. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, okay, so he was a steam fitter and, this one we understand, a self-proclaimed psychic. <gasps> That's us! Oh my god! We get that. I sense that. Yeah, you did. Totally. When you were asking about slag pots, really, you were like, I know this guy's a I psychic. was saying slag pot, but what I was really saying is I'm a psychic. Yeah, you could feel it. I could feel it. Mm-hmm. So what he did, this guy named Walter, is that he called the operator at Chicago Central Police Complaint Room on January 15th. So that was before the sisters' bodies were found. Um, And he told the operator at the police station that both of the sisters were deceased and that their bodies could be found in Lyons Township. Hmm. Uh, He refused to disclose his name to the operator, but he said that he had experienced this revelation in a dream and then hung up. Okay. But the operator immediately traced the call to a location right by his house. Neat, 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 neat. <laughs> so Walter's not that psychic. I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> might be like sharp in certain ways, but not in that one. <laughs> he's like broadly psychic. If he was like at all psychic, he would have been able to foresee what was going to yes, happen uh, in that, in that exact instance. It's like, Walter, if you're going to be a discreet psychic, like. Look, don't look 10 steps ahead. Look like one step ahead and then work from there. Right, yeah. So Walter Kranz. So the park that he described in the telephone call was actually one mile from where the girls' bodies were actually discovered, interestingly enough. Neat. Uh, They were found one week later, so obviously that was suspicious as hell. Uh, When questioned, he informed police that several members of his family and ancestors possessed psychic powers... (laughs) Oh, shit. And that he had experienced this particular vision after a night of heavy drinking. (gasps) Wow, Christine. We do understand him pretty well, don't we? Did he find them on a vision board? Or what happened? He was on painkillers and he made a glittery vision board. Right. He was just speaking it into existence. He was manifesting it. Oh, my God. 
Anyway, let's move on. So, obviously, he was initially considered to be a big suspect. In fact, he was the police's number one suspect for a while. Okay, well, that... Because he literally said, this is where the bodies are going to be found. And then they were fucking found a mile away. So he is a psychic and also definitely a murderer. And an alcoholic, probably. <laughs> and kind of sort of that. Um, so also handwriting experts determined that he may have written a note, a ransom note that was received by the girl's mother prior to the discovery of the bodies. So he was not in good shape. I gotcha. Uh, but he denied any involvement in their abduction and murder. Surprise, surprise. Uh, after being subjected to multiple interrogations, he was released because police did not have any evidence. And uh, after that, he was the third major suspect. And uh, police did not have any further leads. And Barbara and Patricia Grimes were laid to rest at the Holy Sepulchre Cemetery in Worth, Illinois, on January 28th. All fees for the service were waived by the Wolschlager Funeral Home, and the sisters were buried side by side. Um, the pallbearers at the funeral were Barbara's classmates from, from school. And it was apparently just like a really tragic and yeah, heart-wrenching ceremony. Uh, in May of 1957, Loretta, so this was a few months later, Loretta, the mother, received an anonymous telephone call from an individual who claimed to have, quote, undressed and killed her daughters. Mm. How fucking oh, no. awful is that? Wow. Also beyond that, she'd received a lot of phone calls from randos being like, I did it, or like, I know who Isn't did it. Isn't that sick when people like want to hop on as the murderer? Sick, especially if they've not, I mean, not especially, it's hard to say what's worse, but I mean... Obviously, I mean, it's, it's all bad. It's obviously worse if they did do it. But it's like, why the fuck would you... I know. ...jump in and be like, I did it. <laughs> Guilty. Fuck. It's just awful. Like, oh, congratulations. You now get to go to jail and you didn't do anything wrong and you're going to bitch and moan about it when you did this to yourself. You're going to put people through fucking torture and pain even though you just are sitting in your living room. Like, <sighs> it's just awful. So... Bah, 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 bah. So, they had received numerous hoax phone calls... Um, following the girl's disappearance but this phone call um that said he had undressed and killed her daughters uh ridiculed police efforts um and mentioned suspects such as edward bedwell and then ended ended the phone call with information indicating that he may have actually been the perpetrator he said i know something about your little girl that no one else knows not even the police the smallest girl's toes were crossed at the feet the caller then laughed before terminating the call. Was he right? Yes. Uh. One year after the murder of her daughters, Loretta publicly stated uh, her conviction that uh, her daughters had been murdered by someone that they had known. Um, she believed that they had gotten, they would never have gotten into a car of a stranger and believed that someone they knew had been the perpetrator. To this day, however, the murders of the Grimes sisters remains unsolved and is still an open case, so people are still working on it and trying to figure it out. Uh, in 2013, a retired West Chicago police officer named Raymond Johnson began a personal investigation into the case, and he's actually become an expert on the case, and if you Google the case, a lot of his writings and interviews and blog posts are all online. 
he believes that the uh, case is still solvable, but only with public assistance. So he uses the internet. He created a Facebook group. Like he's just oh, trying wow. to get as much public assistance as he possibly can to solve the case. And he believes it can be solved. Um, Raymond Johnson has also said that the perpetrator that he believes the perpetrator of the crime was a self-confessed child killer named Charles Leroy Melquist, who had actually been considered a suspect in 1957, but was let go. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting. Melquist had been convicted in 1958 of the murder of a 15-year-old girl named Bonnie Lee Scott, whose decapitated body had been t- found two months after her disappearance. And following the discovery of her body, investigators noted similarities in her murder and the murder of the Grime sisters. And for whatever reason, Melquist was not questioned uh, in relation to the Grime sisters' murders uh, because his attorney was able to talk them out right. of it, you know. Um, but the day after the body of Bonnie Lee Scott was discovered, Loretta, the mother of the Grimes sisters, received a phone call from an individual who claimed responsibility for Bonnie Lee Scott's murder and said, I've committed another perfect crime. This is another one of those that the cops won't solve and they're not going to blame Bedwell or Barry Cook, who was another person that had... Uh, Loretta would remain adamant until her death in 1989, she was 83, that this caller was the same individual who had contacted her in 1957 and revealed the deformity of her daughter's foot. Jesus. And she said, I will never forget that voice. And she remained adamant till the day that she died that that was the same person. Wow. However, Charles Melquist was never charged with uh, his alleged involvement in the deaths of the Grimes sisters, and he died in 2010. So, who knows if it'll be solved. Um, Right. The Grimes sisters' younger brother, James Grimes, who was just 11 when his sisters were murdered, uh, said in 2013 that he welcomed what he saw as a public reopening of the case, Saying, quote, I just assumed it was never going to be solved, but maybe there's hope. And that's the cold case of the Grimes sisters. That's intense. Yeah. Even like Elvis at the beginning was in like Elvis was involved. I know I tried. I tried. But you're right. It's just heavy as shit. Wow. So, yeah, that's the story of the Grimes sisters. And um, it's very tragic. And if you look online, there's photos of. Like when the mom found out the news and how their older sister was comforting their mother when she found out and the mother looking at the church flyers that they would post the missing flyer. It's really there's heart wrenching. It's heart wrenching. And there's a lot of photos online and the Facebook group has thousands of people in it trying to like contribute. And it's 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 just sad that after all this time, it still hasn't been solved. Mm hmm. Wow, wow. Hmm. I do have something for you, though. What is that? It's a geoscope. Yay! To try and lighten the mood. Love a good mood lightening. So, this is a special geoscope. This is from Corbin, uh-huh. one of our listeners. Uh-huh. Who, uh, it's from Corbin of Queer Tarot Visions. I have spoken to Corbin. He has done something. What? <laughs> G- gave me like a like a reading. A tarot reading. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. 
He's also, fun fact, he's also um, sensed spirits around me and has told me, like, if they have any messages around you. That's interesting. Good stuff. Wow. Yeah, he's very talented. He's very great. He's often on our Facebook group if you want to check him out Queer Tarot Visions. So he sent a geoscope for this week. Can't wait. He read Geo's cards. (gasps) What did you think I meant? I know, just fun to hear. He read Geo's cards this week. Here we go. He pulled the Queen of Cups. Classic Geo. Classic. He says, Sometimes what we need most during rough patches is a mother's touch, Geo. Yeah, Christine. Especially during Mercury retrograde. (laughs) Amen. Amen. We all need a mother's touch. With communication lines down and new obstacles popping up in your path, you might want to seek out the advice of a mother figure in your life preferably someone intuitive and empathic might i suggest a cancer we don't know any cancers marilyn hey marilyn's a cancer all right then listen that's the only cancer i know i think i don't know any cancers me neither i know no cancers while any sign will do cancer is exceptionally gifted well fine i guess i'm not good enough it's whatever okay it's neat geo real fucking cool really great I don't like this geoscope anymore. I clearly geo is not interested. Corbin, you're fired. He's moving on. This week, consider spending some quality time with your mothers. Zzz. Mothers. Who are they? Me. And? Marilyn. Marilyn? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> My mom? <laughs> I don't know. My mom calls him her grandpappy, but only because I force her to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to have to do some reflecting on that. Rough reflecting. Reflecting. <laughs> Help. But you know what? He needs a mother's touch. Don't we all? Don't we all? Mercury retrograde is kicking my ass, by the way. I know. It's bad. Wait, was that the whole geoscope? Yeah, that's it. Mercury is kicking my ass kicking right now. Kicking my fucking ass. I got a parking ticket for $73. I got two this week. For $73 each? For two different people. Because I parked their cars oh. on our street. Blaze and my friend Celine parked both of their cars on the street saying, Oh no, you're allowed to park at this time. Paid for both of their fucking tickets because I was wrong. <laughs> How much were they? 75 apiece. Jesus Christ. That's the fourth ticket I've gotten living at this stupid house. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Mercury sucks. Got it. So never listen to you on whether or no, not I can park don't, here. don't, because I clearly don't have any fucking clue. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> um, yeah. Just tell people where to find us. <laughs> I will say, you have to be like, I'm very impressed with your brother's attempt at doing the social media when he was being me in the April Fool's <laughs> episode. He got one right. And one what right? Like he oh oh, oh doing <clears throat> the the read yeah he didn't get any of our social media right he got our email address kind of right no he didn't he said atwwd at gmail dot com and then he didn't get our store right either he got everything wrong <laughs> um, Allison kept correcting him thank you Allison so you can find us at atwwd podcast on Facebook Twitter Instagram we also have our website and that's why we drink dot com we also have our store and that's why we drink dot we also have our email, and that's why we drink at gmail.com, where you can send us your listeners' episodes, because every first of the month, we put out our listeners' episode uh, dedicated to you and all of your personal stories in either true crime or paranormal. What else is... You're getting really good at that, though. It's just starting to be muscle memory. <laughs> if 
only all my muscles were that strong. <laughs> Tongue muscle memory. Oh, and Patreon, of course. You can also find us there at ATWWD Podcast, where you can donate. I encourage you to donate. It's very helpful. You have no idea. You got some fun exclusive shiz. Please go donate. Also, um, I'm just going to say this out loud and decide for us uh, without discussing with you. Go for it. Um, I think we've kind of flirted with the idea, but until it becomes announced, neither of us are going to do it. So I'm just going to say it now. Once a month, we do our listeners episodes, but also once a month for the Patreon donors, we are going to start making videos and they're not going to be like edited or anything. They're just going to be like from our phone straight directly uploaded but um we get a lot of fan mail that we don't actually ever get to like happily share with you guys anymore because we get so much like it would take 10 minutes or 15 minutes just to thank everyone we open it together and we react but we don't get to share that with you guys so if you are a donor soon you can start looking out for once a month we're going to put out videos of us opening all of the gifts that we got that month we took one today, so we're going to post that. So, and like I said, it's we're not trying to be like videographers here. It's not going to look fancy schmancy, but if you want to see our reactions to the presents and you happen to be a donor, probably $10 or higher, mm-hmm. I would imagine, yep. then you get to watch the videos if you so choose to see the wild shit people send well, us. and I'll tell you what, we decided to do this today. We opened something and went, this is the stuff of nightmares nightmares and it was a doozy so still staring at me it's gonna be staring at us forever now (laughs) so if you want to see what we're talking about um i'm sure it will be on patreon eventually it will be within the week and um yeah that was the update i wanted to give also we do still have possibly one or two tickets left for our june 17th show at hollywood improv so please come please come and why drink Clink. oh god it's beautiful it's like an austrian boys choir okay. <laughs> <laughs>